0: And today I'm uh, sharing a message that's a standalone message before we launch our series in Lent, and it's a message titled Reflections. It was almost 365 days ago, I became lead pastor of the Vineyard Church Pearland. And if I'm completely honest, I've had to spend some weeks and some months reflecting on what this year has been. I've spent some time asking God, where are you and what are you doing? And if I'm honest, I feel a little bit like I'm in transition again, not just into a new role for the sake of our local church family, but I'm in a kind of transitional moment from what feels like survival mode to a hope-filled yes mode to all that God is doing. And it was interesting because as I've kind of reflected, there have been these moments along the way in scripture and in prayer, in conversations with friends and listening to leaders share that I have been encouraged, that I've been inspired. And one of these moments happened just a little bit earlier this month. I got to attend the uh, Multiply Vineyard Summit with some leaders from not only our local church, but about 400 leaders from across uh, the U.S. and actually outside of the U.S. And it was a wonderful time of gathering online. Can you relate? The entire conference was online. But I, I just found God meeting us even though it was online. And here's my encouragement. If you are online today, I just want you to know I am encouraged that the Holy Spirit loves to break into rooms where doors are closed. Think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit loves to come, and the kingdom of God comes because of the authority of God and the work of God everywhere. Healing comes to homes. the faithful request of people turn their attention to Jesus and say, your will be done. Your kingdom come. And so for our online community, if you are there, do not lose heart and continue to press into what God's doing. And for our community here, gathered in this place, man, God loves to show up. It is the Holy Spirit. It is the presence of the living God that is the thing that we have to offer you today. It's not like a really good message that I'm about to preach. Okay, there was one laugh. Come on, y'all. It is the word of God. It is the word of God in Jesus. It is the word of God revealed by the Spirit that says, come, follow me. It is the presence of God. It is in God's presence that all of his power is available to you. That's what we just spent the last five weeks. His divine power has given us everything that we need. Did you wake up this morning saying, God, fill me with your power. Remind me of your promises, oh God. Because I'll tell you, over the last 365 days, that's been the thing that I cannot get away from. And I was reminded of it earlier this month back to Multiply Vineyard. I had the chance to hear Rick Warren share. And Rick Warren summed up the last year, he summed up 2020 with five eyes. And as he recalled the five eyes, I somehow just felt like seen. I felt validated as a local church pastor. And I also felt like the Lord just met me in a way that I needed the freedom to say, this is what I have experienced. This is what has been swirling around me and around you. And so I'm going to ask you to reflect with me. In 2020, one of the eyes that he said is we had global infirmity. There was a pandemic. Did you hear about it? Okay, we got four laughs that time. We're moving, we're moving in a good direction this morning. I know it's cold. We can, we can loosen up a little bit. There was a pandemic but it wasn't just the story of like the global health pandemic, but really the mental health implications continue to come front and center. The disease of our day where there are people who are sick and dying. And we couldn't just carry on life as normal and just go, I'm good, it's okay. It was put in front of us in a way that I think none of us had had to experience before. Infirmity. Social instability. There was emotional Disease. See, what's interesting is the things that we often use to cope with and to kind of manage life with all were sh- kind of shrunk back and taken from us. The things that kind of kept us just good above the surface gave way to the emotional disease that was just running hot and like fast. The current beneath the surface—it's like the riptides of our life got exposed. Volatility. And this thing called quarantine, maybe you've heard of that too. But it wasn't just social instability, there was economic insecurity, financial fear. A number of us faced job loss and transition. What's going to happen? What's this mean for my family? Are we going to have food on the table? Are we going to have a place to stay? Racial inequality, the hate and the hurt, the division and offense, that runs deeply historical in our country was front and center, and political instability. Or even in the church, where our identity is Jesus. We have a hard time seeing one another and loving one another in a day and time it's needed most. And I just tell you, as I walked this list, I thought, 365 days ago, that's not what I signed up for. I wasn't ready for that. And I talked to other pastors, and one of them said, well, maybe, you know, if we'd had like one of them or, you know, maybe two of them, then I would have had the leadership prowess to kind of navigate that season. That's just... Not true. See, I think there's this idea in our culture that leadership is you know how to face everything that comes your way and you have answers and you have confidence and you just can plow ahead. And as I listened to this, I thought I would be a fool to just go, I'm plowing ahead and we're going to just make it through because if we can just get back to normal, it'll be okay. And I think the kingdom of God is saying, I don't want normal for you. I want heaven for you. And that is abnormal in this day and time. We cannot settle for comfort and convenience and these things when we're faced with the reality of the ache of the human heart and the ache of the human condition and the insecurity and the instability that is found in power that is held temporarily by human structures and human resources. We need to be reminded his divine power gives us everything we need. And as he quickly and eloquently summarized the five eyes, I just went, yeah, that was 2020. That was it. Thank you, Rick Warren, for being so thoughtful to just get it in like five little phrases. And As we continued in the summit, Melanie Forsythe began to just share some of her heart. She pastors a Vineyard Church, and she began to walk us forward. And the reason we have to see these things for what they are is we have to see truthful reality. We have to see reality as it is, and I think we have to see it for ourselves, and as the kingdom of God, and as people of God, we have to see reality for others. And it invites us to lament. See, lament is reverence for reality. Lament is the capacity of followers of Jesus to see things as they are and not rush away from them, to not dismiss them, to not kind of deflect, but to go, this is what is real and it is not okay. This is not the heart of God. This is not kingdom here on earth. This is not the kingdom of heaven. This is a different kingdom. This is the brokenness of sinful humanity. This is is not okay. And in humility, I can lament what's going on around us and go, God, I long for the things of your kingdom. Lament is reverence for reality, and I think at this time, more than ever, we do not need to run from lament. We need to allow ourselves to see and to feel with the heart of God. He might go, but well, that's going to make me feel sad. I actually expect it to. Melanie Forsythe said, you can't heal if you won't feel. Feeling requires seeing reality. See, there are, what we're seeing is wounds. There are wounds all around us. And if we're going to be a people of the kingdom of God that speaks freedom, that speaks the healing of Jesus, that is a healing place, we need to get more comfortable moving to the places that we are pained and we are hurting. And the only way to do that is to see it for what it is and pursue relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. Melanie's quote goes on to say, when we deny and deflect the pain in our lives, the struggles that we are facing, we miss an opportunity to engage in real healing for our souls and healing for the people around us. Just getting through these seasons is not the goal. Moving through them with the perspective of God's kingdom brings us to a place of health and healing. I long for us to live into the identity God gave this local church over two decades ago to be a healing place. And that means we will pursue relational work and we will be honest to mourn and to grieve and to fast and to pray and to have hearts that are humble and soft in God's presence and say, this does not look like you, Jesus. This is not the way of your kingdom. Come and bring your kingdom here and now. What I want you to do is this. I want you to take this journey with me this morning. As I have kind of reflected on this last year, I'm going to share some of the things that I lament. I lament death. Because the story of God's kingdom is an empty tomb where life conquers death. And the good news of Jesus is resurrection power. And every time we see death happen, it reminds me that we are not yet where God is calling us, which is the fullness of his kingdom coming. And death is a reminder of sin. And death is a reminder of disobedience. And death is a reminder that there is an adversary and an enemy that is sowing seeds of death. But God is life and he's the giver of life. And I lament that those things are not yet fully aligned. I lament anxiety and fear being rampant. I lament that when we walk into a room that 363 days ago had over 200 people in it, it might feel a little too crowded for most of us if that were the case today. I lament racial pain and that there is a history of slavery and oppression that is a part of our story here in this nation. In places of power, it continues. I lament idolatry in my own heart where I have put things above Jesus. I lament that even today in my heart, I maybe was a little bit insecure that there might not be as many people today because it's cold outside. What is it that you're lamenting in your heart? I lament that the body of Christ is somehow known maybe more for political agendas than for people of peace and power and humility. I lament that there are stories being told about the church that are not true. I lament that there are people in my position who lead communities who are stepping down and being asked to be removed from leadership because their personal lives do not match their life on the stage. I lament that all the sin that we maybe feel so burdened by out in the world is very much a part of the leadership of the church. What is it that you're lamenting? I'll be honest, 363 days ago when I was on this stage, I wasn't thinking about a pandemic. I wasn't thinking about Sunday not being there every week like I had known it. And so I'll be honest, I lament that the church was anchored to a single service to somehow identify as the church. And I lament that that was how I've seen church. I've grown up. Sunday, come, be a part of what we're doing. It's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And what happens when Sunday is gone? We have to face the realities of what does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus if one thing is not the normal thing that I know. I lament that there has been disappointment and discouragement. I lament that there is wounding and hurt, and I lament that I'm a part of it. So what do we do? What do we do? I believe we are called to Jesus as much as we have been. Jesus is not changing on us. The kingdom is not changing on us. I believe there is an invitation that we are being invited into a greater experience of the kingdom, that we would seek first the kingdom, that we would find our security in the presence of God, that we would begin to understand the invitation as disciples of Jesus, that we get to participate in his nature and it will radically change us from the inside out. I believe that it invites us into a story to participate in God's kingdom beyond one service. There are It's like over 160 hours in the week, right? I would love for you to know the presence and power of God in those 160 hours more than you do in this one hour and 15 minutes. And believe me, I think this one hour and 15 minutes is going to be great. So I'm just setting up a great expectation for us in our lives that we would see God. That we would be people who move towards pain, that move towards darkness because we have light and hope and healing in in the person of Jesus. I want us to recall the reality of Jesus and his command to the church to love one another, to love one another. The greatest call on the church is to love one another. All of the law is summed up by Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I cannot be discouraged when I look out at the world and go, wow, it's really messed up out there. Because it's me as a follower of Jesus called to live the way of Jesus. I'm the one who's supposed to go into the places that's messed up and say there is a way and it is in the truth and the life and the grace of Jesus. There is an invitation to the kingdom and I'm going to be one who comes and says, let your kingdom come. This is what is stirring in me after a year of disappointment. This is what God is calling me to after a year of thinking I had good plans that have been shattered. And I'm going to take us back to the text I preached almost exactly a year ago because when I went back and I read it again, I thought, God, how quickly I forgot. How quickly I forgot. And I don't think it's a coincidence that in God's kindness through the work of the Holy Spirit and planning messages, this was a message that was preached just weeks before. We had to close our services in person for the first time. So I want you to go to John 15. And we're going to look at the words of Jesus today because I think there is a huge invitation for us. And if nothing else, I pray that the words of Scripture would capture you. And if you turn me off because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and meeting you and calling you more into the kingdom, you are permitted to do so. Because more than anything, as somebody who's been in church for 30 years, it is the encounters that I've had with the living God that have sustained my faith journey more than anything else. And I listened to some really good preaching for a lot of years. Because for over a decade, I listened to Alan Allen preach here in this community. And for over a decade, I listened to my dad preach in the church we planted as a family. So I've had really good preaching. And no offense to them, but I don't really remember a lot of what they've said. I know. I mean, it's just, this is, it's confessions of a pastor day. Deal with it. What I remember is the power of God coming and grabbing hold of my heart and hold of my life and calling me into the vision of God's kingdom. And may that be true of you today. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the true vine. John 15, 1. And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. "'Apart from me you can do nothing. "'For if you do not remain in me, "'you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. "'Such branches are picked up, "'thrown into the fire, and burned. "'If you remain in me and my words remain in you, "'ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. "'This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, "'showing yourselves to be my disciples.'" In my name the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. I was struck as I went back and just thought about the kindness of God to speak this in advance of a year. That was gonna call out in me all the other things I was connected to and attached to for my well being and for my outlook on life and for my security and for my stability and for my privilege and for my power and for my whatever. And I think about the simplicity of Jesus saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. And I want you to look at this picture. What captures your attention? Be honest. What do you see? Fruit. I never thought about this before, but every time I think about a vineyard, what gets all the attention? Fruit. Grapes. Even in the relationship that God has invited us to, God is saying, I am the vine. He's taken kind of like the not so pretty part. And He said, I want to bear fruit in your life. I'm going to prune everything in you that I'm going to do more with. Have you ever felt pruned before? It's not so that God removes things from you, so that God can expand things in you. But guess what? Sometimes God's going to remove things too. It's what it said. I was reading it again this morning, and I thought, oh, no. I didn't put that in my notes. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Oh. what is God wanting to do in you? He wants to remove all the stuff that is not of his kingdom and it's not comfortable and it's not good but when I can see clearly and I can see the reality of surrender and dependence then I can come into God and go, God, have your way. Remove from me the pride and the arrogance that I don't see. Remove from me the things that I cannot see that are not bearing fruit. Because my attention is on the fruit. My attention is on the gift. My attention is on the calling. And his attention is on my interior so that I can bear fruit. We have to come back again and recall the work of God. We have to recall the glory of God. We have to recall the activity of God's kingdom. We have to be a people who will remember and come again and say, I need to be reminded. Come again and say, I need to remember. Come again and recall that it is about God and it is not about us. Recall that fruitfulness is about connection, not effort. My kids last week after the sermon thought the best part of the sermon was I talked about being this little tree and I was like, come on, let's grow. They were like, that was the best part, dad. I was like, this is how we live our life. Oh, I'm just gonna get there. I'm so strong. Recall that it's not about our strength. Recall that you are loved. Recall that you are God's friend. Recall that he laid his life down for you. Recall that he has spoken a word over your life that makes you clean. It is not about your past. It is actually not about your sin. It is about the word of God spoken over you and revealed in Jesus because that story will always be more powerful. Remain in me. Recall that God wants to do a good work in you. Recall that God calls you as disciples to show the glory of God. Recall that we are being invited into a story that is eternal and a kingdom that is eternal. Recall again and again and again. Recall that this journey of following Jesus is joy. I will be honest. 2020, Not so much joy. Anybody else? Let me see a thumbs up if that makes sense. Okay, we got lots of thumbs up in the room. (laughs) Let me just be honest. The joy of Jesus and his kingdom is in the power and presence and relationship of Jesus, not in circumstance. Recall, recall, recall the word of God. And we have to recall our own experience in it and look back and see it truthfully and see reality as it is because in reality I can come into God's presence and say, I need you. And as we begin to recall, what we're going to be reminded of is that we recall John 15, and it says, remain. How are you doing remaining? How are you doing remaining in Jesus, remaining in the vine, remaining in a life in the Spirit that we would keep in step with the Spirit? We would discern the work of the Spirit, and we'd be people of the Spirit because we remain in connection with God. Again, I don't think these grapes, let's go back to, let's go to the next picture. It's the same picture. I just don't think these grapes are like trying so hard. They're remaining. They're staying connected. How are you doing staying connected? I'm going to ask a really, really, really hard question. What is the love quotient in your life right now? Remain is used 11 times in this passage. Remain is to stay in a particular place and continue to possess a particular quality. Sound familiar? If you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 2 Peter 1. I so often remain in places that are not God's story of me. God's life of me. I can get caught up in work. I can get caught up in trying to be a good parent. I can get caught up in all the activity of my life. Remain in me. In me. It should take over all of my interior, my thoughts, my emotions, my identity, my soul. It should be in me so that it comes out of me. Recall, remain. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. God wants a fruitful church. God wants a fruitful life, and he wants that fruit to be most identified as love. It is all over Scripture. It is the declarative reality of God. God is love. And I'll be honest, we have to love one another. It has to be here. This has to be a place we practice it. Love is laying down our life for one another. Love is surrender. Love is the reality that when we hurt, we move towards that hurt, and we practice forgiveness. We have to remain connected. Fruit is visible and tangible and real. I just want you to I just ask again, like, how's the fruit of your life? What's the fruit of the church? Our fruit is not supposed to be because of a worship service. Our fruit is relationship with God. Remain in me as I remain in the Father. He lived it out. Jesus models all this for us. Here's what I want you to know. We're going to talk more about this. If you come to the family meeting, shameless plug, family meeting. God wants your life to bear the fruit of the kingdom so where you go, people get a taste of what God's kingdom is like. This is what heaven looks like. This is what heaven sounds like. This is what heaven tastes like. It is in you. It is not held for pastoral staff. It is all followers of Jesus bearing the fruit of God's kingdom. And I will be honest, the world will have a tastier buffet if all of us go out and bear the fruit of God's kingdom than just if one of us does. God wants you to bear fruit. Think about this for just a second. God wants you to be the most beautiful picture of his kingdom here on earth. And he says, remain in me. Be my disciple. Let me show you what that is like. And then, we show that we're his disciples because we obey his commands and we live with love. We live it out. Our lives show that we actually follow Jesus. See, being a Christian is not, hey, Jesus, come, come, come support my agenda. Hey, Jesus, come over here. I got this really good thing going. You need to come follow me. It is laying down all of my life that he says, come and pick up your cross and die attach to me the vine, remain in me. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Are y'all tracking me? I, I know it's cold. I know it's cold outside. God is calling us to a deeper connection with him and his kingdom that we would bear the fruit of his kingdom. And here's what I think has to happen. This is how I'm going to close today. We as followers of Jesus, need to have the humility to acknowledge, I I am not remaining in all of my life right now. And we have to realign. As I have reflected, I am finding invitations from the Holy Spirit to realign my life with the kingdom of God. And I would just say, if you are already following Jesus, this should be the most consistent part of our, of our understanding of discipleship is that when you become a follower of Jesus, you are aligning your life with the kingdom. You are turning from life your own way, and you are aligning with Jesus, and you're saying, Jesus, I will follow you. It's called repentance. Repentance. When we can recall the work of God and we can remember and we can remain in Jesus, what we begin to see is that there's an invitation to regularly and always be realigning with Jesus. Again and again and again. Because he has more for us. There is an increasing measure for everyone all the time. That we need to realign our allegiance to King Jesus and his kingdom. What this means is there are places in our life Jesus is not king. He's not king of my money. He's not king of my outlook. He's not king of my work. He's not king of my marriage. He's not king of my parenting. He's not king of my soul. He's not king of any and every part of me. That other expression is an idol. That other expression is something that's coming in and it's destroying us. It's disconnecting us from the vine. It's allowing us to live somewhere else. We've attached our lives to some other vine. I think Jesus is patiently and gently asking, will you allow me to deal with idols and insecurities that are inside of you? This is beliefs and perspectives that are barriers to you reflecting the kingdom in its fullness. These are I- idols or ideologies that have shaped you in a way that Jesus says, I want to shape you differently. Remember last week, Joel 2. The invitation to the people of God is always to rend your heart to me. I, I want your heart. I want your heart and come in fasting and in mourning. In submission to me because the Lord is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger and abounding in love. In all the ways of my life, I'm not remaining in Jesus. I am regularly invited to repent. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, think about this for a second. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. Forgiveness is the central theme of the good news of Jesus. It invites you to family. It puts you in relationship with God and it should be the mark of the church. We should be the most generous place of forgiveness on the planet. Because we know how much we need it and we believe Jesus says love one another and we know that forgiveness is the primary way we will love one another because we are imperfect and we are going to like mess this thing up and we know that there is an abounding love in God for me, which means there's an abounding love for God in you. And when we remain, when we remain connected to the living God, We will live out the way of Jesus, and the way of Jesus is if you love me, you will obey my commands, and my command is to love one another, to love one another. I'm going to invite the worship team to come as I ask us to reflect on a couple things. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. The thing that our world is really short on. It is dismissive. It is it's, uh, cancel culture. It's this side, that side. You did this. You did that. It is hurt. It is pain. It is brokenness. The kingdom of God is love each other. Love each other. Here's the good news today. Here's the good news. Our Father, we are a family and you are invited to the family of God. The good news is every single person who is looking and longing for home, their home is in their maker and their home is in a family. We are called to love each other. This is good news. This is when we go, we love everybody out there like they're our family, whether they know it or not, because they begin to experience the family of God saying, this is what heaven looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what Jesus looks like. He loves you. And I'm learning how to live in a family of God. And he forgives and he welcomes, which means all the past and all the sin and all the pain gets swallowed up in the good news of Jesus and Jesus on the cross, and the tomb empty, which means he's got power over death, and sin is death, which means he has power over sin, and his power is what is being invited to live in you and through you so you can be free, and you just have to come and say, I repent. I repent of doing my own thing. I've been invited to a family. I repent of a racial past that has wounded generations and people that I didn't know. I repent of a political structure that pursues power above all things and just throws character out the window. I repent for pastors who've wounded people because they're imperfect, and their stage life was not aligned with their private life, and eventually our private life will show up on any stage that we're on. What is God inviting us to repent of? This is our journey into Lent. An invitation to God's presence and God's power and God's purpose. Repentance is a willingness to return to the Lord, to turn to the kingdom, to soften our hearts and say, God, have your way. I want you to stand together. Some of you might at some point need to kneel. Some of you might want to sit down. I believe this is a moment where we get to say, God, come have your way. Repentance is personal for my own disobedience. Repentance is corporate for the ways we've stood by and allowed the normal to not be the things of God's kingdom. Repentance is a, a humbling of myself and saying, I am not God. The idols I've worshiped are not God. You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are God and God alone, and I bring myself into your presence. I repent for the ways that we've listened to voices that are not King Jesus. I repent for the ways we've been deceived and we've allowed the whispers of Satan, just like in the garden, to go, is that really what God said? Oh, no, that won't kill you. I repent for the ways we've not loved as you loved Jesus. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and speak to us as we close our time together as a community. We need you, God. We need you. You are patient. You are slow to anger. And you are abounding in love. So Holy Spirit, come. And as we close with this kind of ministry moment, we ask for your spirit to come and fall. I would encourage you to just humble yourself in God's presence. And anything that you experience God meeting you, just know this, that forgiveness is central in God's kingdom. And today is a day you can attach your life to him, the, the vine, the giver of life. And it is really about relationship where we humble ourselves and say, I will follow you, Jesus, in all things.
1: Crushing in the pressing, you are making wine in the soil. I now surrender, you are breaking the ground. So I yield to you and to careful when I trust you I don't need to understand to make me your vessel
0: make
1: me an offering make me whatever you want me to be God I came here with nothing Jesus, bring wine out of me. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender You are making new ground You are breaking new ground So make me a vessel Make me an offering Make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing. All you have given me. Jesus, bring you one out of me. Jesus, bring you one. down my old flame To carry your new fire Today Where there is new wine There is new power There is new freedom And the kingdom is here I Lay down my old flame Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. God, I came here with nothing, but all you have given me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me. Jesus, bring new wine out of me Jesus bring new wine out of me